0: with Siblings. I'm your host Aris Ali, and this is my co-host Armando.
1: Hi guys, I'm Armando and welcome to Wrestling with Siblings.
0: Okay, let's get started with TLC. We don't usually start off with the kickoff shows and we don't usually review them, but in this case we will. The kickoff show match was Andrade with obviously Selena Vega versus Humberto Carrillo.
1: One thing is first, I was excited for this match just to see what they were going to offer in the ring after their match that they had on Monday Night Raw. And another thing too, the situation where Andrade and Selena were going to stand after that little misunderstanding, if you want to call it that way, that they had on Monday Night Raw.
0: Yes, so Andrade and Selena go into this match pretty much at a disagreement. And that's the advantage that Umberto Carrillo has because we never see Andrade and Selena at a disagreement. you know. And at this point, I'm thinking to myself, okay, TLC is really going to define which way Andrade and Selena are going to go. Are they going to get split or are they not? Personally, I think it's a bad idea if these two split. I don't think it's the proper time. I don't think they both reached the level that they're supposed to reach for them to split. I think it's too soon.
1: I definitely agree with you on that um, if they end up splitting it has to be after one of them becomes champion uh, but other than that the match was pretty good compared to what it was on Monday Night Raw uh, they both pretty much walked in prepared knowing what to expect from each other but Andrade was a little bit more aggressive he wanted to get his revenge on Humberto Carrillo from what had happened on Monday.
0: And Carrillo, obviously he's an incredible athlete And he's proven that he can hang with people like AJ Styles, people like Seth Rollins, people like Andrade. And this is just a stepping stone to get his entire career started. And obviously, he did get a big win over Andrade, not only on Raw, but he also did on TLC. So it's going to be interesting to see where this feud leads. Again, I don't think Andrade and Selena should split. But we're gonna have to wait and see what happens within the next couple of weeks.
1: Going back on the match, I was re- I really liked how Andrade was focused through pretty much we could say eighty ninety percent of the match, um, and at the end of the day, Humberto Carrillo was able to not outsmart but just pull a fast one on Andrade for the victory. But uh, that it was it was a great match.
0: It definitely was something that Andrade wasn't expecting. Andrade went into this confident, thinking he was gonna come out victorious, and again. That ended up not happening, and therefore he blames Selena for it one more time. And at this point, we don't know what to expect from them, and we don't know what's next for Umberto Curio What's next for him after Andrade, I don't know. I think potentially, and we see this coming, a United States championship, I think that's what we can potentially see Umberto Curio doing next, but I think it's too soon. All right, let's move on to the opening match of TLC. The New Day versus The Revival. Excellent match. It was a ladder match for the SmackDown Tag Team Titles.
1: Uh, I think this match was great. They set the standard on what TLC was going to be about. For me, this is probably in the top 2 matches of the night.
0: Yes, 100% agree with you on that one. Two of the best tag teams in WWE right now, these two teams. Pretty much have carried the division, whether it be on Raw or whether it is on SmackDown. Individually and together, they carry each other's brand, and these guys showed it. But I have to give props to Big E. That guy is the difference maker in all of his matches. And I don't think the New Day would be where it is today if it wasn't because of Biggie. He definitely changes the momentum and the complexity of every single one of their matches.
1: Definitely he was a game changer in this match. But another one, too. This match is fake for Kofi Kingston. I mean some of the things that he did in the latter match, they were just so amazing that you guys got to see it. it. It's just Kofi Kingston all around. It's just a perfect athlete when it comes down to these matches. So innovative.
0: If you think he's impressive in singles matches, when you put him in an actual stipulation match, whether it's the Rumble, whether it's a Chamber, whether it's something like the TLC match, he really excels in. He's comfortable because these type of matches as you said they're built for a guy like Kofi Kingston, and I think they had the advantage going into this match since the very beginning.
1: But I was very impressed by by the revival level, something out of that they're not used to. In this match, they actually had to take out their opponents in order to go and get and retrieve the tag team titles from the top.
0: Yeah, they definitely went above and beyond. They definitely showed they are probably one of the best tag teams. As I said earlier, this team, I think. There's a difference between them and the New Day. I think this team really is fully prepared. They know each other like the palm of their hands and they define what a real tag team is. Nothing against the New Day. They define that as well. But the Revival has learned to adapt to one another super, super quickly and super easy. That at this point any opponent that they go up against is a huge target. The Revival is one of those teams where you can't underestimate them and you can't Go in with the game plan because they're gonna turn it on you, super super quick.
1: And we can both agree that right now, the revival is probably the best tag team in the WWE all around. Complete, 100%. just because of the tag team championships that they won and how they won them. They made statements like you said there. They could adapt to any tag team, and even though the New Day are the SmackDown tag team champions, in my opinion, the revival is by far the best tag team right now in the WWE.
0: I 100% agree with you on that one, I, there's no argument there, I think you're 100% correct.
1: And I think they proved it in this match, I mean they pretty much put their body on the line and they showed pretty much how much they wanted the titles and unfortunately they ended up being short.
0: And to be completely honest with you, he's right, they dominated the majority of this match and that's something really hard to watch because you see the New Day go into a match, they adapt super quickly. And they know exactly which direction they want to take their match in. And that's something the Revival didn't allow them to do. The Revival completely turned things around. They dominated 95% of this match. And yeah, they still came up short. But at the end of the day, they proved themselves as pretty much the best tag team.
1: And here's where a little bit of the inexperience on the Revival, the New Day match. The Revival had a couple moments where they both would be climbing up on on the ladder instead of one of them being down watching but they did make a couple mistakes, minor ones, but other than that, they that did is jump.
0: That is one of the mistakes that they made and the New Day capitalized on. So unfortunately, they came up short, but we're going to have to wait and see what happens between this rivalry. All right, moving on to my, personally, my favorite match of the entire night. I think this was the match that stole the show. Buddy Murphy versus Aleister Black, an anticipated match. Obviously, Buddy Murphy had knocked on the door of Aleister Black he had been calling him out and he pretty much wanted to prove himself to Aleister not only to him but to everybody else why they call him the best kept secret of the WWE
1: we can both agree that these two athletes are pretty much even They're they pretty much have the same amount of power same speed all around they know each other so well
0: exactly and no one was at an advantage going into this match they really weren't because as you said they're super evenly matched and Alistair is known for playing those mind games and I think Buddy Murphy knew that and at the beginning of the match you can kind of see him playing and trying to get inside the head of Alistair Black and I think that's something that Alistair definitely wasn't expecting but he was prepared for because he doesn't disregard any possibilities here
1: I gotta give credit to buddy murphy on that strategy trying to play the mind games with alistair black like you said it's very unusual for a superstar to do that against alistair black because usually it's the other way around
0: exactly and Buddy murphy came in with the strategy not only the playing mind games but he knew exactly what his target was he knew that at any given moment alistair black can strike and that's what he focused on he focused on slowing Alistair Black down and he was able to do it for the majority of the match. But unfortunately, Alistair was able to capitalize and able to get a victory over him.
1: Yeah, and we did see a moment that Buddy Murphy tried to take the match to the map. But then Alistair would also capitalize on it. Alistair just very quick on his strikes. And I think that was the difference. He just delivered them so quick that Buddy Murphy didn't expect it.
0: And we did get to see Alistair Black busted open so he could potentially have a broken nose we don't know yet uh but that could be one of the possibilities and again this match was super intense that we even got to see blood that's crazy because we really don't see that in the wwe but i definitely think this match was a show stealer
1: and i think Buddy murphy didn't take advantage of that that like you said that alistair had a bloody nose because when you have a bloody nose you have trouble breathing you can get air in your lungs. And I think if Buddy Murphy would have capitalized more and maybe increased the speed of Alistair a little bit more or made Alistair work faster, then he probably would have had an advantage and tired him out.
0: 100%. But he didn't. Instead, he focused on the legs of Alistair Black. And I think that was another one of his strategies and that was one of the advantages that he was going to have. But at the end of the day, he came up short. Alistair was just too fast. He was way too athletic. And he knew exactly... How he was going to take down Buddy Murphy and that's exactly what he did. Alright, let's move on to the Viking Raiders who had an open challenge. Personally, I thought the AOP was going to be the team that was going to answer this call, but I was wrong. The OC, Gallows and Anderson decided they wanted to face the Viking Raiders for the Raw tag team championships but keep in mind this is the only team that has been able to defeat the viking raiders other than that they have no losses
1: i think the difference has been that the oc has been able to get to the viking raiders by using their experience the oc has been able to face tag teams throughout the entire world in japan and mexico you name it they faced them all so they're using that experience against the viking raiders and i think that has been the difference in the matches they have had up until now Even in this one, this one it was so evenly matched that what happens, it ended up in a countout.
0: But see, I think, I agree with you on that, but I think the OC has been so good at getting inside the head of the Viking Raiders simply because they're the only team that has been able to beat them, and that's something nobody else has been able to do. But not only that, they are the team that is super experienced, as you said, but to see... The OC dominate the Viking Raiders, the way they do, the way they dissect them, the way they make sure they keep them down, the frequent tags, isolating them, and making sure they don't give them an opportunity to refresh themselves, an opportunity to tag their other partner. That right there shows the experience that they have, and that's what they've been able to use against the Viking Raiders. And I don't really think the Viking Raiders realize that because, yeah, the Viking Raiders work extremely well together, because they do, as a team. But I think there's something in the OC that no other team has been able to really catch on to.
1: What they've been able to do so good in, in this match is they were able to isolate, either whether it was Eric or Ibar, out of the ring and focus on one and, and try to get that pinfall really quick. And that's what has made them successful. But in this match, not so successful because, like I said, it ended up in a countout for both
0: teams. I really have to give props to Ivar. That guy impresses me each and every single time he's in the ring. You know, for a guy his size, you look at him and you're just like, well, he's mainly power. No, Ivar has learned how to use speed to his advantage, and he's learned how to use power to his advantage, and he really is the difference maker in these matches, and you got to saw that every time he was in that match, for the most part, he was dominating, whether it was Gallows or Anderson, but again, the experience played a huge factor in this match. Alright, let's move on to Baron Corbin versus Roman Reigns in a TLC match. This was basically, I guess, an anticipated match. It's very personal now. You can expect pretty much anything to happen. You can't trust Baron Corbin. But, also, being the fact that Roman Reigns is Roman Reigns, you know he has something up his sleeve. He is definitely prepared for anything that's going to be brought to him.
1: I gotta give it up to Baron Corbin. Um, He pushed... Roman Reigns to his limit and took him to where nobody else has taken him before. And I just got to give that props to Baron Corbin. Same thing with Roman Reigns, man. Roman Reigns just been unstoppable in these type of matches. These matches are meant for Roman, and this is where he shines.
0: 100%. Baron Corbin, incredible athlete. We've said this so many times. We've been behind Baron Corbin for the last year, 2019. He's incredible inside the ring. He knows exactly what he's doing. He has studied and analyzed each and every single one of his opponents. He knows how to get inside the head of Roman Reigns. But most importantly, he knows how to weaken Roman Reigns. And that's something we don't really see because Roman is, for the most part, the big dog. He's the powerful one. He's out there, and people are afraid of Roman Reigns. This is something that Baron Corbin isn't afraid of.
1: Yeah, and not only that... and play we've been seeing for these past couple of weeks and we saw it in this match brian corbin has backup he's got Dolph ziggler he's got the revival on his side so it's a numbers game whoever he faces and we saw it in this match as well
0: we definitely did it basically became like a four or five on one and i say that because Dolph ziggler came out and then we had all his security and then i don't remember who else came out to help him But basically, everybody ganged up on Roman Reigns, and this is what cost Roman Reigns the match. I was really surprised. Uh, As much as I was behind Baron Corbin, I really didn't see him winning this match. I really thought it was going to be time for Roman to really finally get his revenge, to finally take it to Baron Corbin. But I was wrong.
1: Yeah, Corbin with, with the huge win. But he did use that numbers advantage again, and and that's where Brandon Corbin was able to outsmart and play those mind games with Roman Reigns.
0: And I think Roman wasn't expecting it. I, I do think Roman went into this match 100% prepared. He knew that anything could happen, but I don't think he was ready for what was to come.
1: Yeah, and no matter who you are, the numbers game are going to get with you. Whether it's 2-on-1, 3-on-1, 4-on-1 eventually, you, it's going to catch up to you.
0: Yeah. You, th- there's no way you can go up against that. There's no way. It doesn't matter who you are, like Armando said. And, and this, in this occasion, Roman Reigns came up short.
1: And I don't see the end of this feud. I see this feud going on maybe for a couple more months, a couple weeks. This is not the end of Bray Corman versus Roman Reigns.
0: All right, let's move on to the miss versus Bray Wyatt. This is a very interesting match because not only did it get personal really really fast but we haven't seen bray wyatt physically make an appearance ever since he came back every time he's made an appearance it has been as the fiend and yes we've seen him as bray wyatt on the titron but he hasn't come out as bray wyatt this is the first time we get to see him as bray wyatt
1: yeah and i think the miss was also kind of hesitating Which side of Bray Wyatt was going to come out? Whether it was going to be The Fiend or was it going to be actual Bray Wyatt?
0: Bray Wyatt. And for the most part, The Miss was able to dominate the entire match. And I think this is where the split personality comes into. You have The Fiend. Somebody you technically have to be afraid of. Someone who is extremely dominant. Shows no mercy. Pretty much has no feelings. And he will do anything and anything. Not only to win... But to cost you physical punishment. And Bray Wyatt is a little softer. He's more of like, oh, you know, more friendly and stuff like that. And we definitely saw that in the style that he was wrestling.
1: Yeah, he pretty much didn't give a lot of offense throughout the entire match against Miz. You
0: you can see that on, on the match. 100%. And the Miz went into this match prepared. He definitely was, whether he got The Fiend or whether he got Bray Wyatt. He was prepared for everything. That was gonna come and you really have to give it to the miss because the miss is one of those people that you've looked at him in the past and you're just like he's just the miss i mean it's just the miss but over the years he's improved it now he's pretty much the a he really has lived up to the name that he's built and you really have to give him props for that
1: i think the Miz didn't care about winning this match all i think he cared is about getting his hands whether it was a fiend or bray wyatt because of what he had done to his family
0: Speaking of that, do you think The Miss will be satisfied with the outcome of this match? He didn't win, but he did dominate 95% of this match. He really took Bray Wyatt to his limit. Do you think he'll be satisfied?
1: I think he will be satisfied just because he took manager to his own
0: hands. 100%. I agree with you on that one. I think this is definitely what The Miz wanted. But, speaking of this Misfield being extremely personal, it all started with Daniel Bryan, who made his return and attacked Bray Wyatt. What's next for Daniel Bryan? I don't know. Is he going to be encountering the Fiend or is he going to be encountering Bray Wyatt? Who does he have to respond to now?
1: Yeah, after that situation he faced with the Fiend over in, in SmackDown, I kind of was going towards him joining the Fiend, but now it just flipped in a completely different direction so I don't know where Daniel Bryan is gonna go with this we did see the old Daniel Bryan when he first started looks like the yes movement is back so excited for that to see where that's gonna go
0: I want to add something to this now you guys can call me crazy you can comment down below or whatever you like I haven't even shared this idea with Armando but now that you mention it right you think he was gonna join the fiend what if he does join the fiend but has a rivalry with Bray Wyatt Because keep in mind, right now they're making it seem like The Fiend and Bray Wyatt are two completely different people. Even though we know it's the same person, but they have split personalities. What if he did join The Fiend, but he just hates Bray Wyatt?
1: That could be a possibility, and I see where this is going, like you said, with the double personality. It's going to be interesting to see where WWE decides to go with this.
0: Yes. Alright, let's move on to another very personal feud. Bobby Lashley versus Rusev in a tables match
1: very very interesting um everything all the build up up until this this match obviously with Lana Rusev and Bobby Lashley that little low triangle but it was personal and kind of like with the Miz Rusev was trying to just get his hands on Bobby Lashley no matter what the outcome of the match was
0: I think Rusev went into this match with a disadvantage. Obviously, there was a Lana there and there is no disqualifications in this type of match. Lana could have very well gotten involved in this match. I think he went into this match not focused and all of these things are something that Bobby Lashley had. He had Lana by his side, which he can use to his advantage Two, He went into this match completely focused. He went in knowing he was going to come out victorious and I think that's something that Rusev didn't have. Yeah, like
1: you said, Bobby Lashley had Lana on his corner, which she wasn't interfering in the match. That was a given from the get-go. But like you th- I do agree with you on one point. Rusev was not focused 100%. He just wanted to beat up Bobby Lashley no matter what it was. And I think if he would have focused on winning the match and putting Bobby Lashley through a table, he would have won because there was moments where he could have done it and it was just like, no, you know what? I'm going to hurt you more because of what you have done to me and I think that was Rusev's mistake
0: yeah he definitely didn't hold back and there was a point where I was like well maybe Rusev would just be like you know what I'll let it go but no you know he obviously wanted to get his hands on Bobby Lashley and he came up short he couldn't have explained it better if he would have been focused he probably would have we probably would have had a different outcome Bobby Lashley using Lana to his advantage Was able to defeat Rusev because of the distraction.
1: And I don't think this is going to be the end of it. I think we're going to see more of Rusev, Lana, and Bobby Lashley. I'm certain for sure that Rusev's going to want a rematch.
0: 100%. There has to be a proper ending to this. Um, I see it ending with Rusev finally getting the revenge that he so rightfully deserves. But we're going to have to wait and see how they play it out.
1: And regardless of what the outcome of this is, this is a huge opportunity for Rusev to pretty much start all over again and re, pretty much restart his career and put it on the right path.
0: Do you think now he'll be taken seriously? Now that he doesn't have a distraction, now that Lana isn't there, he'll be taken seriously as a serious competitor? Not that he wasn't before, but I feel like Lana was a distraction to Rusev.
1: I always seen him as a serious competitor, and... I think this is going to benefit them. So, yes, I I think it's going to benefit them in the long run.
0: I 100% agree with you on that one. All right, let's get into our main event, which was the Kabuki Warriors versus Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch in a TLC match for the women's tag team titles.
1: Keep in mind, everybody would question the friendship between Charlotte and Becky Lynch. And let's keep in mind, if we follow, what, last year? I believe Charlotte and Becky were friends and they were pretty much tag team partners they they're not strangers working with each other so and they've worked pretty well in this match
0: they know each other super super well they're bitter enemies but best friends at the exact same time and we've seen them be bitter enemies over the last year but we also saw them come together and I think it was because of the Kabuki Warriors where they're like you know what we have to really show them who we are and that we will not be pushed around And when it comes to them coming together, they can come together and be pretty much the best team they could potentially be. I was a little concerned when they went into this match though because I was like, if there's one clash of egos, that's it. That completely takes down the team of Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch. But surprisingly, there wasn't. They were working extremely well together. They put all their differences aside. And I don't think it was about winning the tech titles. I think it was about teaching the Kabuki Warriors a lesson.
1: Yeah. And not only that, but smart strategy by the Kabuki Warriors. One, they tied Becky Lynch to the ladder, which it was brilliant, which that made a two-on-one match against Charlotte Flair. Genius. And on top and another thing, too, is they would take out Charlotte Flair, and then they'll focus on Becky Lynch. So regardless, their strategy was genius, like you said, brilliant.
0: Yeah, they were taking one competitor out at a time whereas becky and charlotte would both take out both at the exact same time and i think that's one of the mistakes that they made uh but regardless you can't underestimate the kabuki warriors i mean they definitely outsmarted charlotte and becky lynch and going into this match you look at it when you put these two competitors side by side you look at it and you're just like okay charlotte and becky are the most experienced they're going to win this match. But if you really look at it. The Kabuki Warriors were the most dangerous team from the beginning. I mean they pretty much used the rope. That they had already tied. that The same rope that they used to tie Becky Lynch with. To their advantage. Becky was climbing up the ladder. And we were like okay she's got it. Oscar just pulls it. Or it might have been Kyrie. I don't remember. But they pull it. And then she just falls. That is genius. They knew exactly what they were doing. And they used every single they could to their advantage, and they outsmarted Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. The
1: Kabuki Warriors were pretty much waiting for an opportunity, Becky Lynch and Charlotte to make a mistake, and I don't think they made it, but like you said, they outsmarted them yeah. throughout the the entire match.
0: And that's something that I think Charlotte and Becky weren't prepared for. They weren't prepared to be tied down, they weren't prepared to be outsmarted the way they were. I can't say they were outwrestled, because they weren't, because all four of these competitors... Are amazing. I just think the Kabuki Warriors went in with the plan. They went in with the strategy, and I think that's something that Becky and Charlotte lacked.
1: Yeah, they def- I have definitely agree with you on that one. And at, mo- at moments, I feel that they forgot about the tag team titles. they just wanted to go out there and make a statement to Oscar and Kyrie Shane and be like, "Look, we're better than you guys." But at the end of the day, Oscar and Kyrie Shane ended up getting the win.
0: They took. Their eyes off the price. That is what happened, and Oscar and Kyrie never did that. They they knew that the purpose of this match was to win and retain the tag team championships, and that is exactly what they did.
1: So can we say that Kyrie Shane and Oscar got their biggest win since they became tag team champions?
0: Yes, yeah. I I definitely do think so because when you put it. When you put Becky Lynch and Charlotte, that's pretty much the pinnacle. Aside from Sasha, Bailey, and Alexa, I think that's the pinnacle of, of women's wrestling. And the fact that you were able to beat both of them at the same time in the same match twice puts you already at that level where Oscar should be and where the Kabuki Warriors should be. And I say that she beat them twice because that last year's TLC, she beat both Becky and Charlotte to become SmackDown Women's Champion. And I think this is finally Asuka's time.
1: I have to agree with you on that, that this is Asuka and Kyrie Shane's biggest win so far since they became Tag Team Champions. Let's see what's next for the Kabuki Warriors. Another few that I don't think, that I don't see the end of it anytime soon. I think it's going to continue going. um, And we'll see, we'll see what happens. But like I said, me personally, perfect scenario. I see Asuka and Kyrie Shane being champions up until mania and have yep. for me probably we could say the best women's tag team in smackdown the breakout tag team of the year if you want to call it yeah. that yeah
0: and there's only one team there's only one team that's right to beat these two women Armando, tell them who it is
1: mandy rose and and sonia deville i think they've had one hell of a year and they deserve it but we'll get into that later
0: when the time comes If it comes, if it ends up happening at Mania, we will definitely get more into that. But that's who we think should dethrone the Kabuki Warriors. I think it's long overdue. You want to add?
1: Other than that, it was a a great TLC. Really enjoyed it. Really highly recommend it to you guys.
0: Yeah, if you guys want to watch it, WWE Network, they have it. They stream it pretty much all day. Whenever you want to watch it, you can do that. Um, Also, remember, it is cold outside. We have hoodies. Available at WrestlingWithSiblings.com. If you want to support, the link will be down in the description. And also, if you do leave us a review on iTunes, where you actually physically write a review and you like post it and submit it, we'll send you guys either a t-shirt or a hoodie or both. It just depends on what you like. But also remember to like, comment, share, and subscribe. Become a sibling today. And for those of you that do not know what WWS stands for, Amanda, what does WWS stand for?
1: wrestling with siblings. Thank you guys so much. See you guys next time.